We're going to take a moment to thank our patrons. In the House of Stone, we have Melissa Russell, Liv Matlin, Fighting Chance Studio, Krisha Dolan, Aya Kamuraquan, Aaron Navarro, Allison Connors, Alexander Eagleson. That's Eagleson. a cool name. I love that so much. Okay. And then in the House of Flame, we have Spaghetti Sandwich, Pokela, Natalie Curry, Leah Tab. Katie Grant, J.S., Francie Dillon, my mother, Cynthia Johnson, Corey Little, Birdie Tam, and we are welcoming to the House of Flame, Amber Costley and Celeste Gantz. Yes, that's Celeste. my that's my aunt. Celeste. Yeah. By, by the way, Birdie Tam, we saw your new studio. Congratulations. Hell yeah! Hell yeah! And if you would like to support us and support the show, you can go to Patreon.com/slash Lindsay M. Dillon. And now, for this week's blessing, we have an auditory experience. <laughs> this is The Mud Peddlers, a podcast where two nerdy ceramic artists share the behind the scenes of their worlds of clay. We're your hosts, Lindsay M. Dillon. And I am Dante of Earth Nation. Welcome to the Mud Peddlers. Welcome. Welcome. How are you? Zdravstvo, comrade. We gavrite par ingliski. I'm sorry. It's I don't weird. know what just happened. It's I just spoke some really bad Russian. I should I should learn some Ukrainian words. Anyway, today <laughs> we are going to be talking sort of science. Um, sort of science. Yeah, we're going to be discussing the difference between oxidation and reduction fire. And a little and a little bit of some other stuff too. There's yeah. there's a middle ground too. There's a middle ground. There's yeah. Middle ground. Yeah. yeah. But I feel like that's one of the things, especially when you're just learning how to do ceramics. I keep wanting to laugh when I look at you. I don't know why. My face is... I drank a ton of coffee this morning. From the part from the coffee? From the coffee. I drank a lot of coffee. It's helping me get ready for a second anime, which by the time this episode comes out, will be done. Hopefully I sold enough stuff. Anyway. That reminds us. We need to say that our shop update. Yes. Your, yours is already there, right? Or are uh, you, when are you no. updating your shop? Oh, uh, dude, I gotta wait till Zach Anime to figure that out. Okay, mine was updated last month, and there's maybe like 20 mugs left. It's okay. Okay. So, oxidation versus reduction. Oxidation versus reduction. A lot of you wonder what is oxidation, what is reduction, so, and we're gonna do it now. Oh my god. We're gonna do it now. It's gonna be so great. It's gonna be so great. Right. So Dante, start, start what is the main difference between oxidation and reduction firing? So if you have an oxidation kiln. It's most likely an electric kiln. Okay. Most people have electric kilns in their households. It's like 70-something yeah. percent of you with electric kilns have oxidation kilns in your household, right? And those are the kinds of kilns that most of us have seen. They plug into the same kind of plug-in that yep. a dryer plugs into. They run off electricity. So many of the scut kilns. And yeah. I say electric kilns because there are kilns that run off of pure fire. Gas. Right? G g oh, gas. Yeah. <laughs> I run off of fire. Straight fire. <laughs> <laughs> it's lit. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Electric kilns or uh, oxidation kilns usually have oxygen free flowing through the kiln itself as it's firing. Okay. So there's oxygen molecules all throughout the kiln, right? Mm -hmm. They're in the glaze, they're in the air, they're inside the kiln. There's nothing in there reducing the amount of oxygen in the kiln to make certain chemical reactions. Okay. okay. In a reduction kiln, a reduction kiln has usually gas fire in it eating up those oxygen molecules so that there's a reduction of oxygen inside of the kiln. 
and that usually changes the chemical properties or just kind of takes away the oxygen of the glazes in the kiln and sometimes makes really interesting interactions. That's really the only difference in between oxidation and reduction. Oxygen, okay. there's oxygen in the kiln. Mm -hmm. Reduction is a reduction of oxygen in the kiln. That's it. <gasps> that's it. That's the whole, that's the whole explanation. And that's the episode. That's the whole episode. That's, but really interesting stuff happens in the kiln yeah. when you reduce oxygen versus yeah. have free flowing oxygen in the kiln chamber. Okay, okay. And by the way, I keep saying chamber because my glaze chemistry books and my like my manual kilns call a kiln mm -hmm. a chamber mm. because the chamber is the inside of the kiln. Right. But if you say right. kiln, that's the, like the whole that's kiln. That's the entire yes, kiln. Yes, but yeah. when you say chamber, that's just the just inside. Just the inside of the okay, kiln with okay. the brick and the elements and the yeah. yeah. Okay. I'm like, trying really hard to like layman's it down. Okay. Because my brain is transferring like all the technical words into like fire, eat oxygen. Yeah. <laughs> in kiln, make reduction in oxygen. <laughs> Oxygen not there. Make glaze go red, sometimes not green. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying. Okay. Well, for the the nerds among us, yes. can you go into a little bit of the, like, toe in the water of the science behind why the lack of oxygen in the kiln creates different glaze effects? Like, yeah. what exactly is happening yeah. to the glaze that makes it behave differently. Yeah, 100%. So let's take copper as the primary example of what happens in a kiln mm -hmm. when you're firing stuff in a reduction kiln, right? Okay. So, you, so you have a pot, mm -hmm. it has copper glaze on it, okay. which means it has like copper oxide, copper carbonate in the glaze. Yeah. Whatever glaze you made or got from the company, whatever, whatever, right? You put it in a reduction kiln, gas fired, big old brick kiln, Yeah. fire goes in, mm -hmm. fire goes in when it's being fired, oxygen is, and this is the way it was explained to me, so I'm going to say it this okay, way, because I think okay. this is a better way to explain it. The fire is eating oxygen molecules mm -hmm. in order to allow itself to burn. Fire right. needs oxygen molecules in order to be fire, essentially. Right. Well, when you have it inside of a kiln or the chamber, it takes as much oxygen from anywhere inside that chamber as it can yeah. in order to thrive and keep burning and it essentially just keeps eating and eating oxygen molecules. So it finds oxygen molecules wherever it can. Wherever so in the it case can. of <laughs> I wish I had like a like a 1980s style animation for this. Yeah. You know, like in the classroom. The fire's like eating yeah. the oxygen. Yeah, like, like and then it starts getting choked. Mickey because, Mouse style. Oh god. So okay, so fire goes into the kiln, it's it's eating it up the oxygen. oxygen. To it's like, cool, this is great. And then it's yeah. like, oh, I have no oxygen. Where am I going to find the oxygen to so, continue being fire? And yes. it goes, oh, sweet, there's some glaze. There's some copper there. Yeah. And that copper has oxygen in it. Right, like the actual chemical compound itself with like yes. the little hexagons and the lines. And the oxygen all, attached to the... We yep. all learned in and so high it, school. It takes it from the glazes mm -hmm. and the clay bodies a lot of the time in order to continue to be fire, in order to continue to burn. This is actually a difficult thing to do because if you're doing a reduction kiln with gas firing, mm -hmm. you'll often try and like put in the most amount of fire to reduce the amount of oxygen in the kiln, mm -hmm. but you can't put in too much fire or else it eats up like a lot more oxygen than you need it to. Mm. And the fire doesn't burn as intensely and you don't get the proper heat. Oh, interesting. You can't, you can't just like get a flamethrower and like, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh -huh. So because of that chemical reaction in between the fire taking all the oxygen molecules from, let's just keep on saying with copper glazes, right? the chemical reaction ends up making the color red instead of green. Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. I'm not I'm not scientific enough to know the actual I'm not like oh yeah this molecule separates from this molecule and, right, and right. that that makes a color differential and like uh, yeah I don't <laughs> know that all I know is that the fire ends up taking a lot of the oxygen molecules from the glazes and the clay and whatnot and it 
makes a change in color mm -hmm. and that's the main difference between oxygen so it's very difficult to get a red in an oxygen kiln right. from copper itself okay because the copper needs that lack of oxygen yes. to turn red 100 percent. you know that makes me think of um like i feel like one of the first ways that people become aware of this concept of the the role that oxygen plays in in glaze color yeah is with raku firings because I mean, I remember the first time I did a raku firing, I used a glaze that had a lot of copper in it. Yeah. And, you know, so the copper went into the kiln and mm -hmm. it was just a, it was a raku kiln. So I guess it was technically gas fired. Right. And then, you know, we pulled it out of the kiln, we put it in the trash can with a lot of stuff, but the flow of oxygen, I think in that trash can yeah. meant that some parts of the glaze of the copper glaze were red and other parts were green. Well, there's just hella carbon in there too. There's just hella yeah. smoke. And there's, like, yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of, a lot of interesting stuff going on in there but I feel like that's one of the first times people are like oh wow like why does this one glaze turn out like two different kinds of colors so even outside of the oxidation kiln versus reduction kiln or electric kiln compared to a gas kiln right there can be instances where oxygen still plays a role in how the glaze color turns out like in a, a raku fire yes and keep in mind there are kilns that are like well, you can technically have an electric kiln that doesn't have a complete oxygenated atmosphere inside of mm -hmm. it. There are kilns out there that are like yeah. fire, but oxygen kiln. You know, like yeah. ox kilns. And there are some electric kilns out there that are like, oh, neutral kilns where you got a bit of both. Oh, yeah. That's what I was going to ask is like, so, and again, I'm playing interview role today, which I love because I love getting to ask questions. And I so, love talking too much. Yay. <laughs> I was going to ask, can you have a kiln that does both? oxidation and reduction and then can you do in a single firing can you have both oxidation and reduction happening in the same firing so I, I think when you ask that question you might be asking for the kiln to be for lack of a better term mm. like segregated into like oh the top half is oxygen and the bottom half is reduction well sort of more like like as I remember um, Sacramento City College had we had a couple different gas kilns mm -hmm. but throughout the firing the professor would change the amount of oxygen going into the kiln yep. so as I'm essentially answering the question myself now well you're good but, yeah. but it's essentially so i was i wanted to, us to talk about like how kilns can have both oxidation and reduction happening throughout the kiln like you can you have a period where there's like very little oxygen and yes. then you can adjust and have more oxygen to like maybe raise the temperature and then reduce it again yes so how how does that how does that work so usually in well i had like a huge kiln so whenever mm -hmm. i think about reduction kilns i think about like this huge like yeah. too tall person yoshio the first kilns i ever worked in were cone 10 reduction kilns and right. i thought like oh okay this is how pottery works you just need yeah. straight fire in there i guess mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but he had these things called flumes and dampers is he they're basically holes in the kiln he basically put in and take out the holes in the kiln to let oxygen in or out of the kiln in order to make the oxygen go up or down and he would control it that way. What? What are you doing? Step teacher, what are you doing? Step <laughs> things going out in the- I'm just putting <laughs> the brick back in the hole. But, uh, oh my, I'm oh, sorry. Teacher, no. Oh, no. Step ladder, no. Good lord. <laughs> I'm sorry, carry good? on. You're carry good? on, we're good, we're good. I just had to, I just- mm. so, by controlling the flumes and the dampers, you can you can essentially control the flow of oxygen. But fire is going to continuously be going in there, right? Especially with the type of kilns I worked with, mm -hmm. where it's like just gas fire in there, right? Okay. You can control. It's not like it, you plug up all the holes, you just put it in there and it works out. Right. You got to control the amount of oxygen. Yoshio, weirdly enough, could do it by just looking at the fire. Oh, that's cool. He would look at the fire and be like, "That needs more oxygen." Mm -hmm. He would like take out a hole or two, and then he would, you know what I mean? Yeah, um, yeah. He had some equipment as well that would read those things off, but most mm -hmm. of the time he was just like. 
I could tell. Okay. You know, but you can you can get what is called a neutral firing kiln. I have seen one. I think uh, Shin. Hishin, uh, the person who's on YouTube, you, I'm mm -hmm. sure a lot of you know him, mm -hmm. and he has an electric firing neutral kiln. So just to preface this, it's, generally, it's weird, generally huh? speaking, yeah. electric kilns tend to be oxidation kilns. Generally speaking, yes. Gas firing kilns, people tend to do reduction firings in yeah. gas kilns, but they can also be oxidation firings. Yeah, they, they, well, if you have a reduction kiln, you can essentially introduce lots of oxygen into the chamber, into the kiln, and get more oxygen at will, essentially. Or you can do right. a neutral firing and yeah. have less oxygen here and there at will, right? Okay. Or reduction. But most people don't build or buy a reduction kiln right. to do oxidation and neutral firing. Right, because it's easy enough just to buy an electric kiln exactly. that does electric firings. It's okay. way e Like, you can build one, but it takes like a team of people. It's and a whole thing. It's a whole thing. Yeah. So, so the neutral firing kilns are electric kilns that can do closer to reduction firings, even if they're not full-blown yes. reduction firings. They're out there. I've seen one in my lifetime. That's interesting. Or at least the person that was handling it, I was like, oh, an oxidation kill. And she's like, actually, it's neutral. And I was like, what? <laughs> you can do that? And she was like, yeah, we can do that. We just got to do this. And the, my baby Potter brain was like, that's magic. I mean, ceramics is magic. Like, we're straight up freaking, it's madness. It's really bad alchemy is what it is. It's sick-ass alchemy. I need to stop cursing. It's sick. Alchemy. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so yeah. what are the differences in how the glaze presents in a reduction firing versus an oxidation firing? Like, what kinds yeah. of colors do you tend to get? Darker colors, usually. The clay body... For which firings? For reduction firings. Okay. Oxidation usually creates brighter colors. Mm -hmm. Like, um, well, technically speaking, the higher up the firing chain that you go and the closer to reduction that you go, mm -hmm. the darker the clay body and the glazes go. So if you do like cone 04, like low fire stuff, mm -hmm. if you put an underglaze on there, you're getting the color of that underglaze. And it's usually going to be a bit brighter than usual. Once you get to cone five and six, it gets a little bit more melty. It gets a little mm -hmm. bit more um, unpredictable, it's, I would say. Yeah. I feel like I've seen uh, glaze companies like Coyote mm -hmm. and like Amico and Mako that you know, really, really try hard to get those bright, bright colors yeah. on mid-range firings, like cone five, cone six firings. Yeah. But yeah, like what you're saying, generally speaking, the lower temperatures and the more oxygen, yeah. the brighter the colors. And okay. vice versa as well. Some companies try and like, oh, this cone six glaze looks exactly like a cone 10 reduction. Yeah. That actually, They're trying to cater to yeah. us because we're like, oh, we want to do cone 10. Oh. Yeah. That reminds me of Speckled Buff, which I feel like has yeah. become a really popular... Oh, I, I love Speckled yes. Buff, and I hate that I love it so yeah. much. I hate that I love it. It's but, the... Uh, what was Somebody said it was the pumpkin spice latte of clothes. <laughs> because you just put gloss over it, and it looks good by itself. It but you're does. like, this is really basic. It does. But I mean, but it, it's so it's so fun, though, because it know, is a way it. to get that effect. Because like, I remember when I was first doing ceramics, my first... And I was like a junior in high school and yeah. my, I did, I got to participate in a gas fired kiln reduction firing. And I had this cup that was like, oh, it's got speckles on it now. Yeah. Oh. How did that happen? I didn't even do anything yeah. to it. It just has speckles. It just has speckles. Yeah. And in a reduction firing, because again, the, the that fire is trying to pull oxygen from wherever yeah. it can, that can change the components in the clay body itself and give speckles where they normally yeah. wouldn't be. But if that same clay was was fired in a oxidation environment, you It'd wouldn't get brighter. those speckles. Yeah. But then the speckled buff gives you the speckles of course. in an oxidation firing and it's fun. And keep in mind that I'm trying to like I'm trying really hard to explain it as at least I think that's what my specialty is, is to put things as, as I don't want to say layman's. Well yeah you know, I mean, as like possible to explain yeah. it to the general public. 
Because I guarantee there's one of you nerds right now is like, naturally, the chemical compounds and oxygen and <laughs> copper. Shut up, you nerd. <laughs> We're trying to well, do a PSA here, and you're making it way more complicated than it has to be. Yeah, yeah. And there are, like, if you are interested in the the nitty-gritty science of, like, okay, yeah, fire eats the oxygen, but, like, how? Yeah. You know, if you want to know that, there is lots of really, really well-written articles and, uh, like, YouTube videos out there that go into more of the the more of the intense science behind it we're just kind of like hey if you've never really understood the difference here we're trying to introduce that on a more introductory level so. i actually uh did a youtube video on it i want to say about two months ago you oxidation did. versus reduction when i was doing research your video was one of the first ones to pop up and i was like he's dante i love that and i hate it at the same time because whenever i want to search a more in-depth uh short-term video on like Oh, like, I've looked up before, mm. how do I build a better pit fire kiln? Yeah. And my video pops up. <laughs> and I hate it Dude, so much. You're like that Spider-Man meme where it's like, hey! I hate it so much. <laughs> They're like, yeah, it's, you're the guy. I'm you're like, the oh. guy, you're the other person. Yep. Little, mm. little bit of a flex. I've met new partisan stores, and they've just been like, oh, yeah, I'm wondering how to do this, this, and this. And I've been like, oh, yeah, just type it into Google. And they'll, like, type it into Google on their phone. They're like, that's you! <laughs> and I'm like... Yeah, but don't click that one though. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's like I'm not trying to. I'm not trying to flex on you. I'm right not trying now. to like direct you to my stuff. But if you yeah. looked it up, I would show up on the. Yeah. I would show up probably yeah. on Google. Yeah. Um, yeah, you would. Other than other than that, oh sorry, I wish we should. I backtracked. No, 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 no. I'm you're so good. sorry. You're good. Um, so the deeper down the list you go, usually it's so like reduction firing. Usually has a lot more unpredictable glaze reactions. It's a mm. little bit more melty. It's a bit darker. Mm. I call it tasty. It's a bit tastier. Tasty. You know what I mean? Because yes. I'm really into like dark melty colors mm. with multi-dimensional. Like I don't want just brown. I want like brown and blue and like some type of yellow, you know, stuff mm. like that. So you get like surface variations just because of how the fire and how the it's more oxygen heat. moves moves around in the kiln. So you can essentially, if I'm understanding correctly, yeah. because again, it's been a while since I've done a gas firing. So you can have one glaze around the entire pot, yes. but because of the way that the heat moves and the flow of oxygen, you can have variations in that 100%. surface texture, even with one glaze. Especially with porcelain. I had a porcelain, oh, I'll never forget, I'll never forget her, right? She was this big, my first gourd, made of Coleman porcelain mm. with uh, Celsor Oribe on it. Is it Celsor Oribe or just some type of different Oribe? But that's what it was called, and Yoshi had the recipe to it, and I, I loved it, and I had like a beautiful like dark jade green mm. with like these beautiful red spots, and oh. I still have it, it's gorgeous. Oh, but you, I don't think I've ever seen that, you'll have to show me. Oh, I might have given it to uh, Abel. <laughs> I mean, well, she's your wife, so she probably has it. <laughs> she, pro she probably has it. Um, another thing, side point, is that there are certain chemicals when making your own glazes that can kind of uh, mirror the effects of a reduction firing. So mm. there's a chemical called silicone carbide. Okay. Silicone carbide, and this is my best interpretation of it because it's, it's difficult to explain what it actually does. Silicone carbide will make little pockets of carbon in any glaze that you put it in, and this includes uh. copper. So sometimes oh. if you put silicone carbide and you mix it up real well inside of uh -huh. a copper base, uh -huh. especially if you make your own glazes, it'll make these little spots of red. I think John Britt has one called John Britt's Oribe or John Britt's Red, something like that. Oh. And silicone carbide is used to make a little bit of red. I actually have a picture of it on my Instagram somewhere. Oh, okay. And okay. I'll see if I can find it and post it. But it, it had green and red. But you would look at it and be like, wow, that green looks oxidate, uh, oxygen, but like... That red looks... You can't get red from mm. copper inside of oxygen kiln. You know what I mean? Yeah, But you yeah. can do it. It's just hard. I've been doing experiments with silicone carbide recently. 
it messes up every glade. <laughs> it bubbles and pits everything oh, except no. for copper. Oh my god! I don't know why. That's I'm sure Digital Fire has an article on that. Digital probably. Fire, yeah. I yeah. digital fire every anytime I look at a chemical and I'm uh, lithium carbide's been the one I've been doing mm. right now. But I look at the chemical and I'm like, what is that? Yeah. And then I'll I'll search it and be like, oh. Yeah. That's why they did Yeah. That. For some reference, you know, we've talked about this before. Dante and I have talked about this before, but Digital Fire, again, for, for those shiny nerds among all of us, Digital Fire has a lot of, is a website that has a lot of the nitty gritty science behind the chemistry of ceramics. Yeah. So if you are interested in like, what the heck does this chemical do? Or yeah. like, what is an oxid, what is an oxidation firing? Right. It can go into the, the nittiest, grittiest details digital fire and glazy.org are the two websites that i need in my life ever. yeah i i've i don't even touch most of my chemistry books anymore they not only have pictures and information that i need but they always have like if you're looking you're probably looking for this right here and i'm like oh thank you right it has yeah. like the chemical weight and the and the structure mm -hmm. of the, it's, it's great it's fantastic yeah. You know, us discussing like the sil or is it silicon carbide? Silicon carbide. Yeah. So us discussing the silicon carbide and then the speckled buff glaze yeah. reminds me of something that like I really wanted to talk about in this episode that has to do with not the necessarily the science behind the yeah. reduction versus oxidation firings, but access and materials. Because one of the things that can be difficult with transitioning from a school education environment to a post-school oh, yeah. environment is access to the resources that the school has. We're spoiled. We're at, we, we do We're get spoiled. spoiled. We yeah. get really spoiled. So one of the things that can happen and things that I've seen some college students go through is they're used to doing cone 10 reduction firings and or soda firings or salt firings yeah. or wood firings and then they graduate and then all of a sudden they don't have access to those same materials those same tools anymore we used to have a kiln that i could walk into oh i know, I know. those always like, kind of scare me though they make me claustrophobic but i like small spaces oh okay big yeah. women small spaces <laughs> that's my thing. i love that i big, love that yeah. yeah so i guess what i my little, I guess, part of this PSA. Yeah. Because, like, <laughs> listeners will know that one of my biggest beefs is is school environments, lack of preparing students for the post-school world. Oh, 100%. Yeah, like, how do you, like, the business behind ceramics. That's part of the reason we do this podcast yeah. is to fill that gap. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Anyway, um... <laughs> I apologize, Dante. I'm on that level today. Whew. Anyway, if you are in an environment where you are, you're in school, you're learning ceramics for the first time, regardless of whether you want to continue ceramics as a hobby or as a professional endeavor, yeah. but I think particularly if you're interested in doing this as a professional endeavor, consider while you're still in school, learning what the other options are for firings. And just even if it's in small ways, educate yourself or ask your professor like hey you know i really like that we do cone 10 reduction firings here mm -hmm. are there other places in this area either oh. stores you know that have those similar kinds of kilns 100%. or or you know i'm you know we do cone 10 reduction firings here but i won't have access to that after school can you tell me a little bit about or could could i in the class work on some cone five six oxidation pieces instead a thousand percent it's, yeah it's you get coddled while you're in school you get lot you like all the glazes are good for you and half the equipment's clean and 
you clean your table and then the person next to you cleans their table and then over time everyone's table is clean mm -hmm. you have your own studio you got to clean your whole studio <laughs> like that's your responsibility yeah yeah, yeah everybody yeah. cleans their own dish in the household there's no dishes but like you're in a space where you just have a pile of your own dishes now yeah you got to deal with your own your own stuff but. yeah and, and it's like all the chemicals like when you think about it that five gallon bucket of glaze in your class that they let you have or the bottles of glaze mm -hmm. either cost 17 dollars each or 300 dollars a bucket <laughs> of like a thousand grams of copper you know what i mean it's mm -hmm. you you get very lucky and especially with the firing process because if i were to really break it down and this might be a bit of a tangent ceramic art in and of itself has like five different forms of art that you need to master individually in mm. order to be good at the whole process. Right, right. So you need to be good at like forming and then you need to be good at like trimming. Yeah. And then you need to be good at glazing. And each and every one of those can be separated into, into a like, bunch of different stuff. A bunch of different, yeah. And that's not even thinking about whether you're harvesting or formulating your own clay body. A hundred percent. Like, that's a whole other thing. Yup. And it's, yeah. there's some tools that help you kind of skip some of those steps. Like, you, you can buy bottle glazes. Right. You know what I mean? Not to say you're skipping that step, but you can buy stuff to make it easier. Like, mm -hmm. you can buy a gift and grip to help you trim. Yeah. Or you can buy slip molds to help you slip cast. Those things are individually hard by themselves. Mm -hmm. But they help the process a little bit. On top of that, you need to be your own kiln master. You need to know how to load yes. your own kiln. Yeah. You need to clean your own shelves. And those are all their own individual things. You need to know how to run and operate your own kiln. Mm -hmm. You get very lucky in school when you have someone who just does that for you. Yeah, yeah. Like, most of those things are done for you. Mm -hmm. And I'll say that for electric kilns, because... It, it, I think it would be fair to say that outside of an educational environment, the easiest thing to do is to get a oxidation kiln. Yeah, that's like, the easiest to hold in the household. Yeah. The nice thing is firing one of those is super, super easy. When I was in school, we did oxidation cone five firings, but the kilns themselves had their own firing schedule that the studio technician created. Yeah. When I got my kiln, I literally just did like, there's like three buttons to push yeah. to do a firing and it's super easy. Super easy. But if you are, again, doing a, if you're used to being in an educational environment where the studio technician spends 12 hours adjusting a, a reduction gas kiln firing to change the, you know, if, if basically if, if somebody else is taking care of the most complicated firing processes, yeah, the airflow and the, yeah, that then just know that that's going to be a, not that you can't do it because obviously you can learn how to do that, of course. but that's going to be a step that you'll need to learn before you graduate. If you want to continue to do that same kind of work. So I feel like you have two options. You can either figure out where other similar local resources can be and adjust your making to that to those parameters mm -hmm. or like using the silicon carbide yeah. or you know speckled buff glazes find ways to mimic those effects that you like in a less complicated environment of being able to maybe buy your own combustion. Of course, then that's like assuming you have your own studio yeah, space. Yeah, that comes with some privilege. Yeah. That comes with like you got to have space and time yeah. and money and you know what yeah. I mean? I do think most ceramic supply stores or like studio spaces yeah. do oxidation firings. Like Alpha does oxidation yeah. firings. I think Sincere Ceramics does oxidation firings. Yeah. Verge Center for the Arts does oxidation firings. They're just the Imco. Yeah, that tends to be the most common. It's only when you one. get up into, and, and I, don't, I don't mean to say this is a higher tier, Mm -hmm. than the others but once you get into like the upper echelons of art that's when they're like oh you use this unknown chemical in the glaze oh reduction fire like there is a certain space of the ceramic art world where they're like oh it's no fire Ugh. oh yeah i you mean know, admittedly those though people dude, suck but dude we were those people though yeah like on an earlier episode when we were talking about about glazes look 
I love low. I'm not necklaces. When we were talking about uh, choosing your own clay, yeah, and somebody called us out on it, which I actually really appreciate. Yeah, no, because you Humble. know we we were we were totally being like him low clay, low clay, and it's like no, it's 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 well, just. We were we were just being those people. We come from like a functional point of view. We're like it's just less functional. But from an artistic point well, of view, well, that's not necessarily true though. It's one hundred percent true. Okay, we'll we'll, it's we'll, that we'll we will we will peg that peg that. Good lord, we will put that. We will bookmark that. We will bookmark that. <laughs> no, keep going. As another <laughs> as another episode. <sighs> we actually actually I would really love to learn about that. I hate low fire clay. I love low fire glaze. That's fair. Okay. Yeah. If that, if that makes sense. Yes. Because I don't. I just don't. It's. I don't like it. I don't like. Like. I think it comes from the fact that I worked with Steve's White one time and I got hives and I was like, I hate this. <laughs> I'm allergic to this. I don't know, but I'm probably allergic to it in the same yeah. way that people who eat a piece of bread and get a stomachache one time are like, oh, I'm gluten intolerant. But like, they never get to. They never want to go get it checked out. Oh, okay. okay. You know, they just kind of yeah. like correlated one thing and now it's stuck in their head. Right, right, right. Somewhere. Yeah. So you like the the glazes that come with low fire oxidation. Yeah. They, well, yeah. because the glazes that come with low fire oxidation or low fire in general, when you buy the bottle, that's the color you're going to get. Mm -hmm. Like you buy some red, you're getting that shade of red. Yeah. But the higher the fire you go, the more melty and the more temperature and the more heat it takes in, the more, you know, even my personal made glazes, like my Randy's red turns like three or four different colors. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I've never done it in low fire, but I bet it would stay one color in low fire if I developed it to be a low fire. You know what I mean? Yeah. It yeah. wouldn't be red though. Yeah. It would not well, be red. I, I feel like it also does depend on, again, on the glaze because like I've, I've bought commercial mid-range fire glazes that like the thing that you see on their testile yeah. label is what you get in the kiln. Like I've seen that happen. It's my biggest pet peeve. It's my biggest pet peeve because like in my mind, at least, from my experience, the lower you go, the more accurate the bottle is. Oh, okay. But the higher you go, there's a higher chance of, like, I don't want to name any companies because I feel like, what if uh, they sponsor us one day? Right, right, right. But at the same time, my biggest pet peeve is looking at the bottle, testing the glaze, and being like, This isn't it. This isn't at all with the bottle. Yeah. This is, and then I water it down, and it's still not it. And then I, like, put CMC, got, like, I play with it a bit, and I'm mm -hmm. like, none of, like, I do, like, ten pots, and I'm like, none of these <laughs> are purple. <laughs> These are all just like dark blue. Oh, that's funny. That's interesting though. I hate it so yeah, much. If yeah. I do a glaze review video and that happens, I'm like, I hate this glaze. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. This is a picture on the bottle and it didn't come out how it, the picture on the bottle said it would. Yep, yeah. so much. Bringing it back around that comes to reduction firings is that there can be a lot of variation and that can be awesome. Yeah. And it can also be a thorn in your side. I've never seen a bottle of cone 10 reduction fire glaze. I've only oh, ever yeah. seen them be made and developed. Yeah, same. Which I think is... Because again, it's like most the most yeah. common, the easiest firings and the easiest glazes to get access to are mid-range cone 5, cone 6 yeah, I don't, oxidation I'm glazes. sure you can develop them, but like... Oh, yeah. I don't know. I don't know if that's like some weird form of like gatekeeping where it's like, no, we don't develop... We don't put them in bottles. You gotta make your own glaze if you want to get that high, okay? <laughs> But at the same time, I'm like, I've just never seen it. You know, I just thought of, I just thought of a song that could perfectly encapsulate this conversation. Yeah, yeah. Can you take me higher? All right, okay. Deliver right. me oh, to a right. place where I am. We're done now. All right. <laughs> and that's it for today. Thank you for listening to The Mud Peddlers with Lindsay M. Dillon. And Dante of Earth Nation. Want to say hi and see what Dante and I are working on in our studios? Check out the show notes for links to our websites and social media below. You can find me at lindsaymdillon.com 
That's L-I-N-D-S-E-Y, M as in monster, D-I-L-L-O-N.com. And on Etsy, Instagram, and Facebook at Lindsay M. Dillon. And you can find me at Earth Nation Ceramics. It's spelled exactly how you think it's spelled. But you can also find me on my Facebook fan page and Instagram at the same name at Earth Nation Ceramics. If you enjoyed hanging out with us today or you have a question or topic you'd like us to discuss, take a second to rate and review The Mud Peddlers in Apple Podcasts. It helps our podcast reach new listeners and we really appreciate the feedback. Thanks again and we'll catch you next time.